Hello and welcome to Questonia, the podcast that uh, discusses the questions we think need answering in Estonian news and culture. I'm Stuart Garlick and as always, uh, Marius Helvand is here and uh, we've convened this podcast because... Uh, three weeks ago, the uh, Estonian government um, under the Centre Isamar Ekra coalition under Yuri Ratas uh, collapsed with Ratas's re- resignation. We'll talk briefly about uh, why that happened and the turn of events uh, that took place there. And we'll look forward to the uh, new government which has just been announced, which is a Reform Party, Centre Party coalition with... Kaya Kalas as Prime Minister. So, um, Maris, first of all, um, maybe some initial thoughts on um, the uh, change of government. So, um, was it something that was in the offing for a long time, kind of a house of cards that was always due to collapse, or did it catch anyone by surprise? It didn't really catch anyone by surprise, I think. Uh, it's very rare that Estonian governments uh, survive the whole term anyway. Usually something happens and this was to be expected with that government um, as well. However, the way it collapsed finally, of course, was a surprise that as uh, the uh, far right uh, has uh, uh, has described it, uh, an attack by the deep state, of course, but it hadn't I don't think this is the case, really. So what happened is that uh, on the 12th, the prosecution and police raided uh, uh, the offices of Porto Franco and Tallinn City Hall, etc., and arrested, actually, a businessman and party donor, uh, Hilar Teter, and uh, the... Uh, advisor, the, a very influential person uh, near Martin Helme, uh, Kersti Kracht, uh, who were in dealings about um, uh, about some bribe. And uh, also uh, uh, the uh, secretary general of the Centre Party, Mikhail Korb, was uh, indicted with, the, uh, with uh, corruption charges, along with two other persons who have not actually made been made public. So uh, the, the corruption charges involved two parties of the coalition, Centre Party and ECRA, even though ECRA is trying to distance themselves from uh, from uh, Kersti Kracht and the claim is that she was acting in her own capacity. But um, it's it's very clear that Hilar Tedar, who has um, donated uh, more than a million euros to different political parties over over time, um, that he is very well aware who is who he is uh, bribing and not, uh, and uh, certainly uh, uh, a person who is just an advisor is not uh, is not uh, the key to advancing his business interests. So, um, as a follow up from this uh, this corruption charge. Um, Prime Minister Rattas then announced the next morning, 13th of January, his resignation, which in Estonia means that the whole government resigns, even though uh, Ekra and Isama were still on the 13th trying to uh, uh, push for the uh, existing coalition to 
keep on going just to elect or choose a new prime minister. But this would have been very, uh, a very unlikely outcome. It's just relevant in the light of their uh, later rhetoric when they now uh, say uh, that the uh, Reform Party is, uh, is sort of acting uh, uh, in a non uh, in a in a weird way that they include a corrupt um, party in the government. However, they were very very well prepared to do that uh, themselves as well, and have have actually been in the government with a party that had a conviction because of corruption. So um, that's in short what happened. And Hilar uh, Tedar and Kersti Kracht, to my knowledge, um, have been detained because there's a danger, according to the police, that they might continue um, on their path of crime. Right. Of course, the Porto Franco scandal, which we covered in a previous podcast, um, is... Uh, um, is is due to um, the uh, Tallinn port property receiving COVID relief from the government body Credex um, uh, at, at a time when real estate was not necessarily seen as the sector most under threat in the Estonian economy. Um, and um, uh, Credex's uh, former director wrote to uh, the government to say that uh, um, the the bailout uh, would potentially damage the reputation of Credex and the government. Um, and um, it, it was it was seen at the time as uh, a potential stumbling block for the government. But then, you know, speaking with tongue-in-cheek, the Centre Party um, is almost custom-built to ride out corruption scandals. Why was it not able to ride out this one? And um, is it also the possibility that uh, that Yuri Ratas resigned because it was the day before a uh, Rigikogu vote was due on the marriage referendum and uh, he didn't want his premiership to be associated with a vote on a referendum that he didn't want in the first place? I think the the marriage referendum vote was uh, was not the deciding issue. It's it's really a, sort of a row of events and scandals and uh, and uh, a very uncomfortable way of governing with the, the far right. So um, I think Porto Franco was uh, the straw that broke the camel's neck in a way, but it was it was building up. Especially from the from the moment when, uh, as you remember, in the autumn after the U.S. elections, the uh, father and son Helmes were uh, were talking about uh, rigged elections in the U.S. and calling uh, um, President Biden uh, horrible names. So uh, it was it was um, just. Uh, uh, every week that added with a new with new problems and new scandals and uh, Ratas really didn't have a chance to govern. He was uh, just uh, constantly solving sort of internal crisis and um, I think in uh, 20 months doing that was um, was sort of the upper limit. <laughs> we were, we had been asking where are his red lines and when does he have enough and <laughs> Apparently, this was the way out. So the marriage referendum, of course, it was a very uh, peculiar situation because uh, the way the Rikigogo procedure runs 
<laughs> actually, the parliament was still forced to discuss the marriage referendum on the 13th. So even though the government had resigned and it was clear that there would not be, that the votes um, to hold the referendum would not be there any longer, uh, Rigi Gogo had this uh, this debate until late in the evening of the same day. So this looked looked really, really weird. But in the end, it was, of course, um, uh, rejected and uh, it's uh, it's off from the table now. Yeah. And um, uh, just to briefly skate over the marriage referendum, because I know there's a lot lot more that you want to cover. Um, it was maybe a sign of the um, uh, blurred focus of the previous government that um, a referendum was was the main concern of the Estonian parliament in a time when we have a pandemic. Uh, it, 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 it seems to a lot of people to show a sort of divorce from reality. But w- what was your take on those times? And uh, how glad are you that the marriage referendum is now completely off the table? I am incredibly glad that it is off the table. I mean, it was really uh, the, the work of the parliament had become... Um, had become stalled basically with all the with the obstruction that remained the only opportunity for the opposition to uh, interfere and that was obviously their duty but obstruction always is a, is very very unpopular regardless of which side uh, of the of the political um, class um, does it and uh, how it uh, how it works out and uh, it was just uh, getting uh, all all this uh, all, all these little uh, legal nuances um, and uh, were just getting so uh, mind-boggling, and especially, as you say, at a time where actually uh, the the public is uh, is uh, expecting the government to work to solve the pandemic-related issues. So uh, more than sixty percent of of, peop- of the people said that uh, this is uh, absolute nonsense to be dealing with this uh, with this um, referendum at the time. But obviously, it's it's a standard uh, approach of uh, populists to have these kind of um, culture wars that uh, that they can drum their support around. So I'm I'm very very happy that this is off the table and and uh, the MPs are don't have to uh, deal with uh, with issues that really don't uh, help anyone but would just only make life harder for some people while uh, while we we really have um, hard uh, hard issues to solve with the yeah. pandemic it happened uh, just before the government resigned and due to the parliamentary processes again uh, the bill by the Centre Party and Imre Soar about uh, changing the family law and adding uh, a gender-neutral cohabitation as an equal form of family into the family law, which would mean that uh, registered partnerships among between two adults would have automatically all the same um, legal protection as, uh, as uh, marriages. That was just introduced to the parliament before the government collapsed, and I, I think uh, this is still rolling through the parliament. So actually, this is a, this is a way out from the, uh, from extending the cohabitation law, so it, or kind of a shortcut to ha- get the cohabitation law uh, actually empowered. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see if that's going to happen. But clearly, uh, the, all the messaging from um, the coalition talks now has been that 
they really want to get down to business with uh, the pandemic and the economic uh, issues and not go into these cultural wars. So, so we'll see. This is kind of a leftover from the from the last coalition, if you will. So it it might turn out that ironically that ECRA, by going into the government, actually enabled uh, the uh, the gender neutral uh, partnership or cohabitation bill to be enacted finally. <laughs> Yeah, and um, of course, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, So next up, we've got a coalition that's been announced between the Reform Party, which is the largest party in the Rigikogu, led by Kaya Kalas, uh, daughter of uh, former Prime Minister Seem Kalas. And uh, they've announced um, a coalition with the Centre Party, who were the largest party in the previous coalition. And um, they've announced the ministerial names. Now, um, I know that you want to talk about that, and we will. But uh, first of all, this is maybe something of a poison chalice for the Reform Party, isn't it? They've got to show that they've got managerial control of, um, obviously, um, a a pandemic and an economic crisis, uh, but also that uh, they are, well, electable and um, for the local elections. And going forward, they've got two years to prove their electability for the uh, parliamentary elections as well. And they're working with a party that they've spent the last two years... um, um, virulently opposing uh, in the Rigikogu. So is this a poison chalice for the Reform Party? And um, do they have the kind of nous because of 17 years of government previously to uh, make something positive of that for their own means? I've, I don't think it's a, it's a poison chalice. Uh, first of all, there's uh, uh, half a year until the local elections, which will take place in October. And uh, obviously, there will be a, quite a strong uh, rivalry. Um, this, by the way, was actually probably one of the reasons why why Ratas uh, made this move so quickly now, because that's uh, kind of a way for him to save face and save the, the power in Tallinn. But we'll see. I, I think that this is going to be a, sort of a a place where the Centre Party and the Reform Party will differ quite strongly, especially also because of the Russian-speaking uh, population in Tallinn, traditionally voters of the Centre Party. But uh, all in all, of course, everyone is asking Gayagalas, why do you uh, why do you go into a coalition with a party that has just been charged with a new um, corruption case? Um, the uh, parliamentary arithmetics just didn't leave her with other options, so that's that's uh, the one thing. And um, the differences in uh, in um, ideology between these two parties are not terribly large. I mean, look, uh, looking at the, the sort of the liberal understanding of the society, they are they are both uh, quite uh, quite liberal towards. Um, Let's say same same sex partnerships, um, and and uh, minority rights. Where there are two main issues where centre party and uh, reform party have a very different approach, and these are taxes and the Estonian school system. And uh, they have already declared there's going to be a tax piece. Um, and I think um, to uh, the accusations uh, that I've seen in the media to Kaya Gallas that uh, she's um, 
she's uh, too weak and she uh, she's given has given up on the on the reform party's sort of core principle of the of the tax um, uh, tax break for un, uh, until the center, the reform party had uh, promised tax break uh, for uh, for income up to 500 euros for everyone so this would have been sort of uh, more geared to um, giving tax relief to um, people who earn more money uh, but to to tell that um, she's weak because she's not um, pushing through this I think is a bit short-sighted because one thing is is your um, is your campaign platform and then uh, obviously realistically you have to find a compromise when you when you form a coalition and uh, we are in a totally different situation today compared to two years ago <laughs> we, we are in the middle of a pandemic and an economic crisis due to that so um, I think this is a very uh, wise wise approach from her side uh, the other issue about the schools is that the center party is sort of the only party that has uh, stood on the platform that the Estonian school system needs to uh, still keep the Russian language curriculum schools going. And uh, the Reform Party has uh, argued that uh, we need a unitarian Estonian school. Uh, this is something where they, I think, have reached some sort of a compromise by uh, enhancing uh, Estonian language uh, education from the kindergarten level. And uh, actually, the conflict there is not uh, horribly big. I mean, the Reform Party has never, or not at, at least during the last couple of years, they have not campaigned for like replacing the, the complete Russian language um, school system with Estonian uh, curriculum schools overnight. It's, it's a 10-year perspective and the background is of course that according to these PISA studies the students in Russian language schools actually already lose uh, one year by the time they are 15 so it's not about uh, about um, actually language or ideology it's about the quality of education and uh, and uh, this this uh, segregated school system is just a, a, a spiral that uh, reproduces the segregation in the society, which is a shame uh, 30 years on. And there's a lot of science backing a united school system with very different approaches for uh, places where you have a higher uh, higher amount of uh, of uh, Russian speaking students like Narva, and you can't you can't use a sort of paint with the same brush in Narva and let's say Bulva, where you have hardly any Russian speaking students at all. So um, there's um, there needs to be a reasonable approach how to change this slowly and uh, perhaps. Uh, this uh, slow and uh, and rational approach will be a way for the center party to start admitting to that and uh, and trying to explain it to their own electorate as well at one point. So yeah. these are the two issues. I, I would I would just look back 
briefly, if I can, uh, you, you you said that their approach, uh, both parties' approach, is quite uh, liberal towards uh, gender neutral issues and, uh, um, if if you like, uh, broad brush family issues in inverted commas. Mm. Um, the centre party does skew more towards uh, what people might call conservative family values in inverted commas simply because of their larger russian speaking voter base or do you disagree with that yes i mean that's that's uh, that's always a worry i know, i think uh, um donald geek referred to us to a, a poll that showed that only 9% of their voters would uh, approve of uh, same sex marriage However, there's a very large part of their voters who have some sort of a more nuanced or undecided uh, uh, approach or whatever. And frankly, this is not an issue that is so important to them. People might have an opinion one way or another, but in terms of sort of priority list of issues that need to be solved and decided upon this, uh, this is probably not terribly high for centre party voters. They they do care more about social issues, pensions, and the Russian language school. But uh, but the the, uh, the marriage question is not that important. So it's not uh, it's it's somehow some sort of uh, somehow artificially pushed upon them by the uh, previous coalition. Yeah, and um, in terms of the Overton window, both parties are pretty centrist. They're both in the coalition of European liberals, and uh, this this is a shift uh, away from acknowledging far right politics generally in government, isn't it? At least for the next couple of years. Yes, I mean, I think uh, one of the best analyses about the situation that I read was by Christy Reich, the director of the Estonian Foreign Policy Institute, who said that. it has become a very clear the lesson here that uh, including the far-right populists in the government is not a way to solve the problems that uh, that uh, created their success in the first place, but rather the opposite. So that's I think that that is a lesson that has been learned from this uh, this uh, change of uh, of government now and from this collapse that uh, Ekre will have it uh, have a very very hard time to be included in the government uh, in the in the coming uh, uh, electoral cycles yeah because they've proven that it's not really a comfortable thing to be in of course, as things got more and more intense recently, there have been a lot of uh, increasingly corrosive debates. Um, but uh, th- this is strictly business for both parties. Can you see them sort of putting uh, their previous differences aside and just getting on with what needs to be done in the short term? I think so. And I mean, here we, we really uh, also need to look at the gender balance of this new government. Uh, most, I think some of the names from the Centre Party are still sort of... Uh, might still move. This has not their their uh, list has not been confirmed um, completely. But uh, uh, in general, it, this is going to be the government with most women in in the government. And I admit that just for for a minister just being a woman doesn't mean that she is a, a more um, collaborative and compromise uh, avid uh, politician. But uh, I think generally, sort of the uh, the uh, 
the paradigm of um, that was where Estonia really shifted towards the sort of the rule of the daddies <laughs> two years ago mm. is shifting towards the moms. I, I, I would say like the because that that was sort of the uh, pun that the, that the the first uh, minister of agriculture from Ekred said in a, or showed in a in a Facebook post that. Um, mommy's time is over the daddies are back now we can say the daddies <laughs> have sort of demolished the country and who who has to come and clean it up it's the moms yeah and it's it's interesting you uh, make that sort of moms and dads point because uh, the the author justin petrone uh, years ago described uh, prime minister andres anzip's government as being a father knows best style of government um, and that there does seem to be that uh, kind of uh, trope in estonian politics of um, older men being the people who know what to do um, so uh, i i guess this government has a chance to debunk that trope if indeed it still exists I think so. I mean, it's it's something that happens uh, to prime ministers here usually that they feel that they are unmistakable and irreplaceable over time. That happened to Anzip clearly, and that happened to Yuri Ratas as well. And we'll see how Kaya she definitely, from her personality, uh, quite a, quite a different uh, person. So uh, the the kind of competitiveness of the traditional uh, male uh, politicians um, who have uh, not had a uh, another career apart from their from starting as a as a poster boy of of uh, the party poster boy meaning someone who goes and glues posters around <laughs> um, uh, so uh, perhaps um, perhaps she will um, bring a new a new style I'm I'm actually pretty sure that she will yeah and um... let's let's at the, some of the some of the members then indeed yeah uh, because uh, you you tweeted out a photo uh, after the last election uh, showing the difference again in gender balance between Estonia and some of the Nordic governments it at the time uh, wished to emulate so uh, as you say the balance has changed and um, yeah so let's look at some of the big names some of them have stayed and many have changed so what are the big changes we can see well, I would say uh, the sort of the overall picture shows that the center party is really, really taking a step back. We don't see any uh, sort of uh, strong center politicians, the powerful ones. We, from the old government, we have um, still Tanel Kik, Davias, and Jakob in the new government. I, I don't want to go into his handling of the uh, of the Corona crisis. Mm. Uh, but as a minister, he's been clearly um, he has felt most unease in the in the former coalition, even though he was a very strongly responsible for um, for forming it. But uh, uh, what is very very clear from this list of the centre party is that Keek is the strongest potential politician in that. Uh, Row and I think Gratas should be quite worried. Geek is a new generation. He's uh, he has uh, he's not he cannot be affiliated with all these uh, previous uh, Savisar era corruption cases. He's he's very able. He's perhaps he's not uh, terribly charismatic as a speaker, but he's extremely um, extremely. Uh, uh, 
smart and uh, and intelligent and and the way he speaks uh, and uh, and thinks and works so uh, he might actually be the biggest uh, threat to the um, uh, uh, Rata's uh, gener- political generation in the party at large. I, I, I agree with you there. And I, I think that um, uh, re- regardless of my opinion on him occasionally saying too much to the press, I, I it, clearly there is a brain at work there. And um, uh, polling, I think, indicated recently he was the most trusted politician of the previous government. Yes, the, uh, the most trusted politician in Estonia had always a uh, uh, 49% uh, trust rate. Hmm. Um, so um, Davias, keeping Davias at the, at the Ministry of Economy is kind of a, I don't know, no-brainer. I mean, uh, the, the basically the rest of the list of the Centre Party, really what it tells us is that they just don't have anybody. It's a huge party. It has, uh, but but uh, sort of the human, the quality, the intellectual quality of the of the party leadership is uh, is uh, quite uh, timid. And uh, what really surprises me is that they have not found one single politician with a Russian speaking background because that would have been their their uh, thing to fill, you know, the, their criterion. So they've uh, given up the Ministry of Interior to Christian Jani, who is a, a, a professional policeman, which is a very, he is very liked and likable, but he's not a party, uh, he, he might be party member, I don't know, but it's clearly not someone who is a politician, politician. Just as well as very surprising, the the portfolio of the foreign minister that goes to uh, ambassador Eva Maria Limitz, who is a career diplomat. She's mm. she's liked, well liked, but uh, but uh, not well known, and uh, clearly again not a centre party politician. And the foreign minister is a portfolio that has very very high visibility. So it's uh, that that is uh, for me actually the biggest surprise. Also that uh, the foreign party agreed to giving this portfolio to the centre party for the first time. Yeah, all. that's that's very interesting, yeah. and um, it, it's 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 interesting they've gone for a government of all the talents approach in the foreign portfolio. Given that y- y- usually foreign minister is the place where uh, you know Estonia's national image is dictated. It, uh, why have they gone that direction? Do you think? I don't know. This has we'll have to do something with uh, overall maps. I mean, there are some more surprises here where I would have expected a different. Uh, different uh, spread of the portfolios between the two parties. But with the foreign minister, minister's portfolio, I mean, uh, Reform Party has um, Marco Michelson, who has aspired this uh, this job for ages and who would be so highly qualified for that as well. So I, I don't know what's, what what do they have uh, sort of in... in uh, in reserve for him what kind of a position because that's uh, that seem that seems very very surprising that this 
didn't go to Reform Party and in particular Marco Mikkelsen. You mentioned the lack of sort of centre party heavyweights in there. I mean, one of the issues maybe is that Jana Torm, who is the uh, uh, pr- probably the most uh, popular uh, with Russian speaking voters, um, uh, she's kind of sidelined herself with uh, comments that virulently opposed the line of the previous government. Um, so uh, I, I guess uh, getting her back from Europe to um, to to uh, be part of the government would have been a major issue for them in that sense. Uh, also, of course, they've had to sideline Yuri Ratas and Miley's reps, the two party big beasts at the moment, for political reasons, haven't they? Exactly. I mean, they, they, there was no way that Ratas and reps uh, could have had a portfolio. And with Jana Tom, in Jana Tom's case, I I think what uh, we should uh including this equation would, would be who would her replacement in in the european parliament and i don't know who that would be but um perhaps it's uh just uh also a matter of uh, keeping a strong and potential uh, rival uh far away as far away as possible because she clearly is uh is potentially someone who will um who could shake up things uh uh, in uh, in Tallinn in the local elections and uh, endanger sort of the Ratas Reps generation's influence in the party as well. Hmm. Um, Kate Pentis Rosimanis oh. is finance minister. Um, she she was uh, um, she she was always very capable i felt in the foreign minister role in the previous government um she 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 has she has had her fair share of scandals in the past but i, I think that's water under the bridge now uh what's your view on her as finance minister i'm i don't really know i i i that's a posting that um has surprised me as well i thought that, that she would uh, be more geared towards the uh, environment to be honest because she has uh um, she has uh, written a lot about the environmental issues and has been dealing with that area and seemed like um, someone who has a uh, new and quite uh, fresh uh, uh, and modern vision and who would be able to sort of uh, uh, Im- implement the, the, the green um, changes that are coming up. Um, so in, in, the, in the Ministry of Finance, I... I I'm surprised. I would have uh, really expected Maris Lowry to take that position, but uh, uh, I don't know what what the reasoning was behind this kind of a choice. Mm. Any other positions that stick out to you as being significant? Um, well, the, the environment. I mean, that's probably the the, the weakest one for the centre party to send uh, Dennis Mulder there, who is. Who's been, who's been a uh, basically a, as we say party broiler, someone who uh, has uh, never had another career apart from uh, from being a party party member and party uh, uh, activist, and uh, who doesn't even have a bachelor's degree, and, and he's uh, he's been very. Uh, of conformist and uh, and not terribly bright, so um, that that worries me actually a lot because the environmental portfolio is is very complicated. You need to have someone who is able to resist the whole the the huge pressure from the from the forest industry and 
and and the energy issues there. So it's a it's it's a very difficult um, portfolio with very strong interests, and uh, I don't think this is a person who is uh, who is really equipped to to deal with that. So that's a bit of a surprise, and I would have expected uh, that to remain in within the center party within the reform party's uh, list. Hmm. Um, on the opposition side of the Rigikogu, we've now got Isamar, um, who um, maybe have quite a bit uh, still politically in common with the Reform Party, but increasingly have swung right uh, in an attempt to broaden their voter base. Uh, you've got ECRA and you've got the Social Democrats. Well, the Social Democrats uh, aren't the force that they maybe once were, um, but Isamar and ECRA... Um, could, could there be a danger in both parties that seem to share so much of their agenda now being in opposition? Well, the numbers uh, don't add up with Isamar, 12 places and Ekres 19. And the Social Democrats really are in a strange uh, middle position. They've already uh, actually said that they might do something unusual and uh, uh, vote uh, with the government, with the new government, because uh, obviously in many on many issues they they share the same understanding and the same values. So uh, so they the the government will have a will have an ally in the opposition. Isama and Ekra will just um, keep uh, sort of trying to outdo each other. Who can be more? nationalist and more homophobic, I'm afraid, because mm. with, with a reshuffle, um, some of the more liberal members of Isama, like Seem Giesler, will drop out from the, from the parliament. And also, there is, a, there is a power struggle within Isama, so we might see a, um, sort of the current um, composition of the party leadership collapse where within the coming few months they have a new a uh, new internal election of the of the board and the chairman coming up and uh, uh, say that uh, the current uh, uh, chairman is clearly uh, losing popularity. I mean, uh, in spite of all this, uh, this um, talk of uh, mar- martyrdom and uh, we've been uh, We've been betrayed that both Isama and uh, Ekra are putting up. I don't know what your feeling is, but I think it, it's not terribly uh, attractive to their voter base because uh, showing weakness and being a loser can't be something that that, that is attractive to sort of alpha male chauvinistic uh, voters in the first place. I don't know what you what what do you think about that. Um, I, I, I just I just think that we're dealing with such a different media space, particularly in terms of Ekra's supporters. Um, I, I think uh, Isamar uh, is still a party that gets many of its voters from the sort of uh, um, uh, libertarian conservative side of things. Ekra's supporters, they, they seem to exist in kind of a Trump supporting type of media space. And it's going to be interesting to see whether they actually view themselves as losers or whether they uh, instead um, sort of uh, go more towards the comforting um, uh, charade of it being a deep state conspiracy, etc. Yeah, I'm sure they will they will be in the deep state conspiracy and and martyrdom uh, and uh, betrayal mode for a while 
um, the thing is just that um, this uh, this approach is um, the the number or the the voter segment that can be attracted with this type of approach is quite limited to their uh, to their core core supporters now and in order to gain power again they would need to expand their their uh, voter base um, considerably and Which the, the... The, the and that would be more in the middle ground so uh, the more radical they get with the, with their uh, uh, with their rhetoric, and that's what the last week has uh, has uh, shown. Um, the less chance they have uh, in gaining uh, sort of uh, new supporters in the in the center of the political spectrum. They're they're trying to get uh, Russian speaking voters or um, 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 ethnic Russian voters uh, through um, uh, um, th- through their uh, um, more conservative approach to uh, to family policy. Uh, is that a dead duck, or is that something they can uh, reasonably exploit? Do you think? There. They they probably can, but there there will be a limit to that as well. It's uh, it will be hard uh, to uh, to combine and unite this approach of being an Estonian nationalist force and then at the same time at- attracting the Russian vote as well. So that that might be uh, still uh, uh, sort of a quite a difficult difficult uh, combination. Mm. Um, but, uh, but that doesn't mean, I mean, even even though we, we now have got rid of Martin Helmer from the weekly government press conferences, it doesn't mean that that the party is gone and that their supporter base is gone and that the, the, the issues and the worries are gone. So we, I think the, the new government needs to look into the social issues as well and the regional issues really, really strongly to see to see what uh, what can be done to uh, uh, to diminish the run uh, towards the populists. Yeah, and the the problem that Estonian liberals and uh, liberals in Estonia have now is that ECRA have always been a natural party of opposition. They've always been great at that kind of one issue tub thumping that you need to do in opposition to uh, to to get the attention of people. And um, so they may not have the national platform from government press conferences, but well, they still have weekly radio shows and they 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 still have their supporters on the internet willing to go below the line of any article as well. So it's going to be difficult, I think. Yes, but that's uh, that's sort of inevitable, and I still think it's uh, it's uh, it's a way better situation to be in than the one we've been in for the last twenty months, where they had actually real power. I mean, we talked about the credits and all these issues before, and at the beginning of this uh, this episode, uh, what they were actually doing while in government, they were of course putting their own people into the into the governing uh, bodies and the boards of these sorts of organizations to make um, pressure and push uh, uh, push uh, public funding towards their own uh, uh, supporters and and uh, issues uh, so uh, the the access to government funds is a much more serious issue than than the publicity that comes with a ministerial posts so uh, this uh, Sort of as we as we say, the food, the political food chain, if uh, has to be cut, and when this is cut, the the possibilities of the party will be much 
much uh, smaller as well. Where Martin Helme said, each day that we are on, on power, we um, recreate uh, our power, we increase our power. So uh, this uh, applies for the opposite situation as well. Yeah. Um, as, as we wrap this up, I've got two more points I want to cover, and you've probably got some things you want to uh, um, discuss as well. Um, one is uh, the position of Defence Minister. Now, uh, that that's had in the previous government gone to um, an Isamar-adjacent figure, uh, Yuri Loik. He was the one who, he was the person, uh, the candidate of Isamar with the most uh, votes from the election. So uh, I think uh, Yuri Loik held a big responsibility of uh, bringing Isamar to where, to the position of being able to be part of this coalition and enabling this coalition uh, with the far right in the first place. Of course, mm. the whole uh, sort of defense uh, um, uh, backyard, they were all pleading with him to take the position in order to avoid this, uh, the portfolio of the defense going to ECRA or due to someone who is not able to stand up for the, for the reasonable people in, in the defense uh, sector. Um, uh, so I think, I mean, I, I know Yuri Loik uh, for a long time and I personally felt very disappointed of his uh, choice uh, of, doing, uh, of going into that government even though the argument was that he was not able to prevent it. So he went there to um, sort of uh, uh, make, uh, make the best of it, you know, to, to, to defend his, um, his sector and people were pleading with him to stay. Uh, but uh, I think uh, also decent people need to learn the lesson that if you go, if you, if you go into to uh, a coalition with the uh, with the populists, you can't come out of it as a winner. Mm. Uh, and the the other thing, very briefly, um, you've you've already said you don't want to cover the corona crisis in depth, and I'm not going to. But uh, um, will we see a different approach to the uh, arguably slightly knee jerk sort of uh, politicized approach, or um, um, do you think we'll continue with obviously Tanokik uh, continuing to do his job and the same people in place in the health board? Will we see a great change there or not? Well, what we uh, what will be different, I I think, is that our uh, previous foreign minister or still foreign minister Urmas Reinsalo will not be at the government uh, meetings table because he has uh, uh, obviously taken this role of a hobby virologist really strongly <laughs> from the start of the crisis and coming up uh, with uh, all sorts of uh, uh, funny and strange ideas and pushing them through with no scientific. Uh, base. So uh, I don't see anybody in, in this list of the new government who would have this kind of ambition to, uh, to um, mix uh, politics uh, with uh, uh, sort of a science-based or expertise-based uh, approach to the crisis. The, the question if, I mean, I think we've all seen that from the start of the corona crisis, uh, the science and the expertise has evolved and changed, and is uh, at times uh, contradicting what they were, what they were uh, saying and recommending at an earlier stage. This is another issue, but mm. it, this is kind of understandable. But it it is not political, and it it 
it just shouldn't be political. Well, and um, um, last night, uh, the official statistics were that we had 25,500 people vaccinated. So uh, uh, at the current rate, and I'm aware the current rate won't continue because we have new vaccines coming on stream in the EU, uh, it would take more than three years to vaccinate the Estonian population. So uh, presumably there will be uh, there will be whatever pressure can be put on the EU and on the uh, pharmaceuticals to accelerate things. Although there is a question of what bargaining power Estonian Estonia has there and how, how much of that is down to the pharmaceuticals and our relationship with them and how much is down to uh, well the perceived uh, lack of a uh, concrete vaccination plan coming into this year I don't think it has to do with the vaccination plan at all then the amount of, uh, of vaccines every EU country is able to get is really down to uh, their the, sort of the bulk buying power and the bulk negotiation power of the EU as such. The 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 whole looking at the whole criticism uh, that uh, that it's going slowly and look at Israel and so far, so on. Um, I just talked to some colleagues from South Africa, Brazil, and Mexico uh, a week ago, and uh, they are still weeks and weeks uh, away from even starting out with the vaccination so we are we are we are not bad at all or ukraine for for uh, to, to get another example from much closer here so if it wasn't for the eu the uh, the pfizer vaccine couldn't have been developed even uh, as quickly as it as it was and uh, Estonia alone has very, very little bargaining power, so we we can just really only rely on on the on the combined and joint uh, power of the EU and uh, and hope for the best. Yeah, um, I. I'd love to get your comments finally on um, your general feeling going into the next few weeks, um, because I I just felt this wave of optimism that I imagine was similar to how people in America felt when Biden was elected. It's like we still have the same problems. We still have uh, many of the uh, uh, same um, issues to solve, you know, in society. But uh, at at least the very worst elements of the previous government are out. Um, I, I'm feeling strangely optimistic, but how do you feel? <laughs> you as a normally uh, a pessimistic person <laughs> to Absolutely, hear that you yeah. are you are feeling optimistic is uh, makes me very very happy i'm re- i'm really not much fun at parties put it that way <laughs> but uh, yes i mean just like uh, very many people around the world i mean uh, the sigh of relief is immense and to have to have this uh, feeling that, that the election of biden has had some sort of a butterfly effect to uh, even all the way to estonia and that we are that we are sort of uh, that we are able to uh, look to the future more optimistically at this time is uh, is a, a, an immense relief. So thank you very much, Maris, uh, and uh, we can look forward to the next few weeks and months. Obviously, if any major issues come up, we'll do do an emergency podcast for that. But um, otherwise, you know, we've got uh, various significant issues that we want to cover in the um, coming episodes. So stay tuned for those. Uh, 
We're on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all your favourite audio platforms. Um, and um, anyway, thank you so much for uh, sticking with us and listening to us. And uh, we uh, wish you all the best in the coming uh, few weeks. Thank you very much.